Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. So we're taking the liberty to produce for you a special episode because the outrageous news that dropped sometime Monday evening with the news of a literally unprecedented leak from deep inside the belly of the United States Supreme Court. So those of us who have been following the Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health Organization litigation, that's a case that's come up on this podcast numerous times before. This is the court's first direct opportunity, probably, to overturn Roe versus Wade. Really, it's the cleanest opportunity in 30 years since the Planned Parenthood versus Casey decision from 1992. For obvious reasons, and all the reasons that the abortion issue tends to generate and stir up such intense passions on all sides, this case has garnered a lot of attention. So Monday evening, Politico, in a piece Co-written by Josh Gerstein, who is their Justice Department reporter, has been for many years now, co-authored it with someone who has a national security beat byline, which itself is interesting, had a long piece where they literally had the alleged full 98-page majority opinion in the Dobbs case written by Justice Sam Alito, set to actually overturn Roe and Casey. Now, I said alleged because when this was first leaked and all my group chats just started blowing up, I like literally couldn't even leave my computer for hours. I mean, I, I have, you know, I'm a lawyer by training, guys. I literally have not seen anything like this before. It is literally unprecedented. But when this first happened on Monday, I think a lot of us thought that there was a possibility, uh, however small it may be, this might not be the real deal. But those rumors were dispelled, of course, Tuesday morning when Chief Justice John Roberts confirmed the authenticity of the leaked opinion. He said that the leak was, quote unquote, egregious. He is, of course, correct to do so. Now, for the non-lawyers out there, it is difficult to overstate the magnitude of what has transpired here. Of all three branches of government, and for those of you who need a civics refresher, of course, that would be the Congress, the presidency and the executive branch, and the federal judiciary, for which the Supreme Court obviously sits at the top of the totem pole. The Supreme Court operates in a more mysterious manner than the other two. Oral arguments are released via transcript and audio, there are no cameras in the courtroom. But even more so than that, the level of secrecy that goes on for the court's internal deliberations is famous. The court is known to be an absolutely airtight institution. And that, that, that doesn't mean that there's not an ample amount of information that could theoretically be leaked. There, of course, are. The way it works, obviously, is that after oral argument, there is typically 
a thumbs up, thumb down conference vote to see where the early votes on the case will be from the justices. Those votes can, of course, change over the course of time. In fact, the first time that Obamacare made it all the way up to the U.S. Supreme Court in the 2012 case of NFIB versus Sebelius. That's, of course, the case where Chief Justice Roberts ended up rewriting the mandate to individually purchase insurance and calling it a tax, something that Congress had not written. But Roberts flipped his vote in that case. At conference, initially, it is way out there now. It is confirmed. He was with the conservatives to nullify the mandate. He flipped there. But according to the leaker that got out there on Tuesday, allegedly, the five votes for this remain. So the opinion from Justice Sam Alito, draft one, it is labeled, was written, or more accurately, it was written or, and circulated to fellow justices in February. And according to the writers of the political piece, the source says that the five votes to overturn Roe and Casey remain. Now, it is difficult to kind of contextualize everything happening here because there is so much. <laughs> there is so much to unpack. This is the biggest U.S. Supreme Court case, from my perspective, in decades. There is really no issue like the abortion issue that rallies so many people of all competing persuasions to turn out and vote for presidential candidates on the basis of judicial nominations and who they will nominate here. The founding, of course, of the modern conservative legal movement, which I've been a part of since my first year of law school at the University of Chicago, was founded very much on the idea that Roe versus Wade, perhaps more than any other case, was so egregiously wrong and wildly wrong that it simply must be overturned. But it's difficult to focus on the Alito opinion, which is a very thorough opinion with 30-plus pages of appendices at the way back of it, kind of enumerating all the various state laws that historically in this country criminalized abortion in the late 19th century, well into the 20th century, kind of just his way of really just showcasing that the purported quote-unquote right that the court in the 1973 Roe case divined from the emanations of the penumbras of the right to privacy was nowhere whatsoever, of course, in the history or traditions of the United States of America, let alone in our constitutional law fabric. But it's difficult to focus on that opinion because of the fact that this thing leaked this is literally unprecedented. I know that that word gets tossed around a lot. This does not happen. The court does not operate like this. No matter what the heated nature of any previous case, whether it was the quote-unquote Muslim ban, it wasn't a Muslim ban, obviously, but that's what they called it, the Immigration Act, from President Trump that was upheld by the court in Trump versus Hawaii, whether it obviously was the same-sex marriage litigation, Obergefell in the 2015 term, whether it was Obamacare, NFIB versus Sebelius in 2012, you name it. This does not happen. There are not leaks at this institution. There are very few people, of course, who would even have access to this sort of information. There are the nine justices 
there are their clerks. Maybe, maybe there was the possibility that a clerk was so sloppy that he or she kind of left a draft copy lying around in a garbage or a desk or something home and the significant other, the husband or wife, saw it. Maybe a non-justice, non-clerk, a staffer who works at the Supreme Court, who has very strong opinions on this case, apparently stumbled across the draft copy. But realistically speaking here, we're talking about this leak coming from one of the justices or one of the clerks. The repercussions from this have to be intense. It, this is the most egregious direct assault on the legitimacy of the United States Supreme Court, which, of course, since the 1803 case, Marbury versus Madison, has been a legitimate branch of the federal government. This is the most legitimate attack on its independence and institutional integrity in a very, very long time, quite possibly ever. The repercussions for the leaker have to be drastic. Chief Justice John Roberts Tuesday morning announced that he was putting the marshal of the United States Supreme Court, those of you who have followed the Twitter discourse for a while, remember that the total psychopath, Elise Mensch, used to joke about the marshal of the Supreme Court. This might be the first time that the term marshal of the Supreme Court has even gotten used since then. It's not exactly a position that gets tossed out every day. So Chief Justice Roberts says he's putting the marshal of the Supreme Court on the case to try to get to the bottom of this. He should do more than that. To the extent that he can get the FBI or any kind of intense investigators beyond the marshal of the United States Supreme Court to help him get to the bottom of who the leaker is, he must do so. And there really have to be intense repercussions for this. It's possible there could be litigation resulting from this. Did the leaker violate federal law? I've seen mixed takes on that on Twitter from people who would know. It's not entirely clear yet. At a bare minimum, of course, the leaker needs to be publicly shamed and disbarred to make sure this never, ever happens again. I expect that we will find out the identity of the leaker. This is simply too big of a deal, and there are too few people who it could plausibly be. Again, there are nine justices. Typically, the eight associate justices have four clerks. The chief has five. Okay, so we're not talking about a whole lot of people here. That's 37 total law clerks, nine justices. Holding out the possibility of the significant other, the husband, the wife, or a rogue janitor or something coming across this thing, you're therefore looking at a pool of 46 possible people. I predict that we will know the identity of the leaker very soon. And there have to be intense repercussions. What I am deeply fearful, though, is that something closely approximating perhaps the opposite will actually transpire here. Let me talk you through that. My best guess, and this is just a guess, but my best guess 
very straightforward guess, is that this came from the chambers of Justice Sonia Sotomayor. She is the most unhinged, far-left progressive radical on the court. At oral argument for the Dobbs case back on December 1st, her laughable questions to counsel sounded a heck of a lot like Democratic National Committee talking points, like MSNBC partisan talking head talking points. She kind of asked the most sophomoric of questions that a 19-year-old drunk sophomore might think it proper to rant about after he's had a few too many beers and maybe a, a pot brownie or two, which is, oh, how do we know when life begins? Give me a break. So Sotomayor is a partisan hack. I don't say that lightly. She is a hack. Even someone like a Justice Elena Kagan, who is a Democrat through and through. She, of course, was Barack Obama's solicitor general. Refused to recuse herself, by the way, from the NFIB versus Sebelius Obamacare litigation, even though she probably had an ethical duty to do so because she worked on it when she was President Obama's solicitor general. But she is at least moderately principled as far as liberal jurists go. We're operating off of a comparatively different baseline for what it means to be quote-unquote principled here. But Sotomayor is a total hack. Now, even having said that, my best guess is that it came from a rogue clerk of hers. There's already a lot of speculation about one of her clerks this term by the name of Amit Jane, who is a Yale Law alum who signed an anti-Brett Kavanaugh letter when he was a student at Yale, who seems to have all the relevant far-left credentials in order. I have seen other rumors floated as well. I do not think it would be crazy, by the way, if this actually came from Sotomayor herself. I do not think that is crazy. It's conceivable, of course, that it did come from Justice Kagan's chambers or Justice Stephen Breyer's chambers. Breyer, of course, is retiring after this term. Her successor will be Katanji Brown-Jackson. So it's possible that kind of like on the way out, a case of this magnitude comes across the chambers and Justice Breyer kind of decides to go rogue. I don't think that's likely. He comes from an older, slightly more institutionalist view of the court. I don't think it's likely, but it's possible. But I do think it, I think, I do think it will come from Sotomayor's chambers. My worst fear is that even if the Sotomayor clerk in this hypothetical, if it is indeed a Sotomayor clerk, is disbarred, then the clerk will then get a flashy, anonymous byline New York Times op-ed leading to a self-dox to get a shiny book deal from a top five, top ten book publisher, leading into an MSNBC talking head gig, a left-wing pro-abortion student group campus speaking gig, maybe even leading to a law school professorial gig. Because the reaction from left-wing Twitter last night after this was utterly egregious. If there's a single Democratic elected official who was talking about the outrageous violation of norms that has transpired here, I have not seen it yet. Instead, what I saw were groups who really should know better, groups like the ACLU, the American Civil Liberties Union, that used to be a relative single-issue straight shooter on the issue of civil, civil libertarianism. But the ACLU is tweeting out that whatever violation of norms happened here, 
pales in comparison to the violation of quote-unquote reproductive freedom that the Dobbs case would result in. Of course, not mentioned in that tweet is the fact that millions, tens of millions of unborn children could be saved, saved the death from the abortionist as a result of Roe versus Wade. Also not stated is the very clear meaning of Justice Alito's leaked draft opinion, where he simply would return the issue to the states for the states to do with abortion regulation what they do with all sorts of other topics within their so-called plenary power, which is just do what it is they want to do because the United States Constitution is silent. That is how our constitutional order works. So I am really worried that that is what could possibly happen from a left-wing leaker. I have some friends on the right who are speculating that it's actually possible this came from a conservative chambers. The idea here would be that if you really parse the political leak carefully, one possible reading of this is that five votes maybe remain to rule this way in the Dobbs case, but there were not five votes specifically for Alito's opinion. I think that's a strained reading of Josh Gerstein's Politico article. I'm not really buying it. I saw this ridiculous tweet thread from a lefty Yale law professor, Amy Kupchinski. I'm not going to pronounce that one correctly. Don't particularly care, to be honest with you. A ridiculous thread basically saying that because progressive legal clerks so value Justice Breyer's thoughts on institutional integrity, therefore a conservative clerk was far more likely to do this. No, you know what's actually far more likely is that that Yale Law School professor who wrote that thread is likely just covering for Amit Jain, the partisan hack Supreme Court clerk in Sotomayor's chambers, who I just referred to earlier. So... We will get to the bottom of this soon, I think. Again, I, I would just be shocked if we don't know the identity of the leaker by the end of this week. Chief Justice Roberts is the one who I am watching right now. The ball is in his court. The chief, of course, was a Republican nominee. He was nominated by President George W. Bush in 2005. John Roberts formerly, of course, was a... Fairly partisan Democrat himself, he worked on the Bush-Cheney Florida recount legal team in the, in the aftermath of the contested 2000 presidential election. This is a man who has shifted considerably to the left over the past five to ten years, especially during the Trump era. And more than anything else, what the chief seems to be motivated by, and he has shown this time and time again, is the quote-unquote institutional legitimacy of the United States Supreme Court. Well, that legitimacy is now in question more than it ever has been in the chief's tenure. Egg on his face for thinking that he could ever, ever be a one-man shepherd to kind of steward this institution according to the various whims and caprices that he might like. That is not how it works. In fact, as my friend Josh Blackman a Houston, Texas-based law professor, wrote in a blog post earlier this week after the leak. 
And so thinking that, what Roberts really fell prey to over the course of years was to fall prey to what F.A. Hayek referred to, of course, as the fatal conceit of central planning. So Aegon Roberts is faced, but he is the one who has to take action here. The final thing I'll say on this is, from a pro-life perspective, obviously, as of now, it's looking pretty good. The opinion is about, realistically speaking, as hard as we could have possibly hoped for. Sam Alito does not pull punches. I'm actually pleasantly surprised that Justice Clarence Thomas, who gets to assign opinions as a senior most member without Chief Justice Roberts joining the majority there, I'm a little pleasantly surprised that Justice Thomas assigned this to Justice Alito, to be honest with you. I kind of predicted it would be Justice Barrett for fairly obvious reasons. But Alito is a fiery kind of guy. He is sick of all the defections, the cowardice, the outrageous decisions like the Bostock decision of 2020, where no less a Republican nominee than Neil Gorsuch himself, of course, famously defected on a Title VII case implicating sexual orientation and gender identity. Alito is sick of the BS. And that is how this opinion reads. The question, obviously, is... Will it be the final decision? I don't know, and pro-lifers know nothing if not to count their chickens before they hatch. We've been burned way, way too many times before, but I think it's looking good. If my guess is right, and the leaker came from a liberal justice's chambers, likely Sonia Sotomayor's chambers, then I predict this will inadvertently backfire in that clerk's face and stiffen the spine of Justices Kavanaugh and Barrett to hold together. Because if they defect at this point, can you imagine the message that would send that the justices can be swayed by a leak that could have the incidental effect of sicking an Antifa mob on their house? Disgusting, by the way. The clerk probably wanted that. The clerk literally probably wanted Justices Kavanaugh and Barrett to have these thugs show up at their house and protest. People were openly saying so on Twitter. Unbelievable. But the damage to the court over the mid to long term, if the Dobbs majority as presently constituted in the Alito draft opinion that was leaked, does not hold, I think the damage to the institution is probably fatal. There's no recovering from that. If the justices show they can be swayed in this outrageous manner. But it's a remarkable story. It was worth doing a special episode on. We will update you as we learn more in future episodes. So for now, I'm Josh Hammer. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time.